DJ Hernandez, the director of DFS at 444.com with my co-host, Matt Savoca. Welcome to season seven of the DFS MVP podcast. This is episode number 161. If you're new to the show, we're a DFS theory-based podcast. We do strategy every week where we go over our top values on FanDuel and DraftKings. But on top of that, we try to give you a little bit to make you a better player from the macro to the micro giving you guys a theory segment every week. Uh, this week, we're going to be diving into our uh, weekly review process, so that should be pretty fun. Uh, before we get into that, make sure you're checking out the other shows uh, on 444 that are related to DFS. Matt and I do a cash review every Monday, 11 a.m. Pacific time, 2 p.m. Eastern time. That is only streaming on YouTube. I do a show every Saturday with Matt Harmon where we cover Yahoo DFS values and fades. DFS last look for GPPs every Sunday morning on Discord, subscriber only. Make sure you're checking that out, 8 a.m. Pacific time, 11 a.m. Eastern time. Again, that's subscriber only. If you haven't signed up for the DFS subscription yet to get access to that show, go over to 444.com, use a promo code DFSMVP. You can get 10% off. And if you haven't tried prize picks yet, I suggest you do that. You're already doing the hard work for fantasy football to make your rosters, take all that hard work, turn it into some real cash with prize picks. All you have to do is pick two or more players, decide if they will go over or under their stat projection. This week at 4 for 4, we're loving the over on Jalen Hurts passing yards, the over on Devin Singletary rushing yards. You can check out the full article breakdown in the DFS subscription there. All you have to do is download the Prize Picks app today or visit prizepicks.com. And if you deposit this week with the promo code 4 for 4, that's the number 4, F O R, the number 4, you'll get a $100 instant deposit bonus matched dollar for dollar. Prize picks is hands down the most fun, fast, and easy way to play daily fantasy sports. Pricepicks.com. Play today. Matt, what's up, buddy? How are you doing? Welcome to week two. Hey, how you doing, TJ? Thrilled to be here again. We got some mega high Vegas totals this week on the Ooh. main slate that are going to be really fun to get into. And I got to say, at Devin Singletary, that is bold. That is bold. Ooh. I know the best way to beat Miami is on the ground, but... Oh. <laughs> Hey I man, like if, lot, if, if uh, Zach Moss is out, we we had Singletary approaching twenty touches. So I know everybody wants to say uh, Buffalo has no uh, running game, but if you're getting a running back with twenty touches, um, man, that that's that's interesting. Uh, let's fair, get into fair. let's get into non Devin Singletary talk. Let's just jump right into it. Like you said, we got um, a ton of super high scoring games this week, and it's going to be a really interesting slate to navigate because of that because it's going to be really hard to get away from those plays. Let's start with quarterbacks and jump right into one of those high totals. Yeah, absolutely. Right now, it's looking like the highest total on the slate, and I love the Los Angeles Chargers side of this Chargers-Cowboys matchup mm -hmm. on Sunday. Right now, looking at a 54.5 point total, and Justin Herbert just looks like such a solid projection compared to his salary-based expectations. You know, what a shame for the Dallas defense to lose a player like Demarcus Lawrence. He was PFF's seventh rated edge last season. And even with a player like Lawrence, uh, you saw a team that was 12th worst in yards per pass attempt allowed last season and 10th worst against Tampa Bay in week one. They were seventh worst in points per play allowed, eighth worst in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Do I have to go on that this is a bottom tier defense against quarterbacks and against offenses in general? Now, we expect a lot of points on both sides of the ball here, but the Chargers side 
has such a safer floor because of the quality of their defense. You're going to hear more about this Chargers offense, but I can't get away from Jalen Hurts, especially the value on FanDuel. I really love him as my best play over there this week. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I love Herbert because, I mean, if we're just looking at at that game, I think a lot of people might uh, – we're recording this this Friday, obviously, and we saw the game last night. And, you know, Giant, Giants dropped a couple points on Washington, and people might say, well, the Chargers didn't exactly light it up against uh, against Washington last week. But the thing that I think we should be really encouraged by is that front seven barely touched Justin Herbert. And Dallas is obviously nowhere close to uh, to the defense Washington is. So I think he's going to have all day to basically do uh, whatever he wants. We, we have a lot more to say about this game. Um, so before we, we give away the house there, I'll get into the guy that I'm looking at. Um, we, you talked about Jalen Hurts last week. I'm going back to him this week. He's 7,800 FanDuel, 6,500 on DraftKings. And uh, I mean, you had Justin Herbert. I'm I'm playing Dak on the other side and, and every format, just depending on how my uh, rosters play out. But Hertz is like, he's this guy that's going to have this crazy standalone value every week, um, regardless of what the, the Eagles game total is, whether they're underdogs favorites, if they have a high implied point total. Uh, I think he's going to be very analogous to what we saw from Josh Allen last year in terms of just accounting for so much that offense. Last week, we talked about Josh Allen being one of the few guys that was 75% of the offense, 75% of the total touchdowns. Uh, I, I think Hertz has that very much in his range, range of outcomes. We saw him drop 264 and three last week, 62 on the ground. I mean, every, if you're playing him on DraftKings, he's He's the the best bet besides maybe Christian McCaffrey to go double bonus every week. And again, double bonus is super rare, but if we can get that, that's like super outlier week. And he's going to offer that. Uh, one thing that we were super excited by last week, if you are rooting for Jalen Hurts, you're trying to play him. The Eagles passed on 74% of their plays in neutral game script. So he's dropping back. Obviously in those situations, he's going to run when he wants to, but he's going to have that passing upside. Like he's going to come close to Lamar rushing upside, but Lamar rarely has like 300 yard passing upside. It happens once in a while, but their offense is so run heavy. Jalen's going to get his on the ground and they're going to throw a ton. So, I mean, in cash, obviously, he's going to offer a high floor. He's going to be one of these rare guys. If you play him in tournaments, you can justify playing him um, naked. And, and we see that work a little bit more on, on FanDuel, where that's like just a game flow uh, dependent build usually. Um, but obviously, you want correlation. But he's a, a naked candidate. And they're, they're playing against San Francisco this week. San Francisco allowed 29.9 FanDuel points to golf last week. If you're on DraftKings with the uh, scoring bonus, 32.9 DraftKings points. And a lot of people are going to say, well, yeah, they gave up a lot to golf, but they were a negative game script. The Lions were. I don't think it's important that they were in negative game script as it was that all of those points came after Jason Rett went out and Jason Rett's on IR now and that secondary could be in a lot of trouble. So Hurst is going to have, uh, I think he's going to have a, a field day um, uh, against the 49ers, even though their, their defense might still have like this perception is a pretty good one. Any, any last thoughts on quarterback? Yeah, I think that's a bold take. And I was uh, looking at this same matchup and this whole game and the game environment hinges on the play of Jalen Hurts. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a possibility here where these two teams turn it turn this game into a run-heavy defensive slog if sure. Hurts is not accurate. But the upside here for Hurts is really unparalleled. And, you know, I actually compared Hurts to a young Russell Wilson. Now, the accuracy isn't completely there. But mm -hmm. in terms of fantasy, with not necessarily massive volume, 
But when he takes his shots, he's taking deep shots. And when he takes off, he has huge upside as a rusher. Very similar plays there. Really love Hurts again this week, too. Yeah, I like that spot. Let's move on to running backs. I'll kick it off with uh, Chris Carson, who's $6,700 on FanDuel, $6,100 on DraftKings. Seattle's favored by six and a half points in their home opener versus a Tennessee team that just got ran over by Arizona last week. I I, I don't think this is going to be a um, a spot where where – Seattle's just going to get up like Arizona did. That's just not how football works. You just don't get out to like a 14 point lead every week in a blink of a blink of eye, but uh, it sets up for really good game script against this team. We have Chris Carson projected uh, as the top value across all positions on DraftKings. He's our top two running back value priced under $7,000 on FanDuel. And like you talked about with Justin Herbert, uh, there's just a couple games that we want exposure to and or offenses that we want exposure to. And Seattle's one of those offenses this week. They have um, just a really high total. And, and if you are playing the, the, chargers or the cowboys passing game you can get access to uh seattle through their rush game and chris carson he had 19 touches last week but one thing that i really like to look at is how much of the offense did that account for 42 percent of the offense's touches went to chris carson that's uh that was ninth in the league last week anything over 40 percent near that 45 percent uh team touch share range are getting in the elite territory and we saw tennessee um they allowed 159 total yards to arizona backs last week i know everybody's going to look at um, what Kyler did, but the running backs had a pretty good day against Tennessee as well. And what I like that we saw to Chris Carson last week, he's not going to be, you know, he's, he's obviously not going to be CMC or Alvin Kamara, but three catches for 26 yards. That's nothing to sneeze at on, on DraftKings. If you're thinking about playing him, he's traditionally kind of not been the prototypical DraftKings cash game player, but if he's giving you three for 30 through there, that's, that's a touchdown worth of fantasy score. And so, I mean, I, I'll take that um, in, in cash on DraftKings. So I'd like him on both sites in every format. Yeah, I do too. Carson pops up as one of the best values and he's such great access to that Tennessee Seattle game as well. <laughs> Uh, the other value play that really pops, especially if you are playing high price premium assets in the passing game and quarterback at wide receiver, Najee Harris, mm-hmm. 100% opportunity share, 98.2% snap share for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes, the production wasn't there, but the opportunity was 16 carries, three targets, only one reception. And yes, he looks like he's going to be one of the most rostered players on this slate. But I want to say that I think it's for good reason. Uh, Through another service that uses simulations, I was seeing that Najee Harris popped up in the optimal lineup more times than is projected currently for his ownership. So that's saying that it might be somewhat rational that the field is rostering Harris this much. But it just points to how high quality of a play this really looks like on paper. Las Vegas is fourth worst in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. Again, we got a super high game total. And he's sort of that linchpin that helps you get to all of these important pieces. If you're using a game stack or game environment stack, Najee Harris at his really reduced salary compared to his opportunity share, especially really on both sites, 6,100 on FanDuel especially is, is... high quality for that amount of touches. Yeah. If you're talking about his, his projected ownership in tournaments, the one position that we're really good at projecting is running back. And when we have a running back that is projected for this type of volume and his, his uh, salary doesn't account for it, it's, it's not the full on 
free square, like a $44,000 um, or $4,500 running back on DraftKings or something like that. But it's it's pretty close. $6,100 on FanDuel for the volume he's going to get when you have the top tier backs, like in the high 8,000s, low 9,000 range. Um you're taking that, and and I don't think it's a spot where you need to shy away from the ownership. We, if we're going to eat the chalk, even in even in the biggest tournaments, uh, a lot of times that's with chalky running backs. Now, if he if we start thinking he's going to be in the the 40 50 percent range, you could talk about being over or underweight if you're a mass multi entry, um, or if you're just playing like single entry, do you, do you fade him or not? Um, but but that's like a very granular conversation to have. Just in general, these aren't the type of um, plays that we're fading um staying in this game real quick we, we usually don't touch on news here because uh it's just not what this podcast is but before we started recording we got news that josh jacobs is going to be out and i think that's going to have a lot of people looking at this game and thinking can i get a Kenyon drake free square do i if i do want a Kenyon drake free square do i play him with Najee? does that change my perception playing two running backs in the same game um I saw uh, something come across a ticker that, that has me a little trepidatious about Drake, but what's your initial take on this Raider situation? Yeah, I think I saw that same thing. I think Peyton Barber is going to be utilized in mm-hmm. this offense no matter what. John Gruden yeah. alluded to the fact that he wanted to use Peyton Barber, although he just completely washed over the fact <laughs> that Peyton Barber was in Washington and not in Tampa Bay anymore. That's besides <laughs> the point. I don't yeah. think Kenyon Drake is a free square. I think they're mm-hmm. probably going yeah. to keep his role somewhat similar. Uh, you know, game script yeah. will change things. They were playing from behind for much of that second half. Um, but I don't think I don't think you're getting to anyone but Waller unless you're talking about large field tournaments. Waller is such a sure bet in that offense running it back. Yeah, I mean, I, I just kind of think about it this way, right? Like when when Jacobs was there, we weren't excited about his role regardless of his salary um, on the Raiders and playing him in DFS. So why do we want either of his backups when we know Peyton Barber is going to be involved? If they're going to split this backfield and we weren't excited about it with their main running back, why would be excited about it now? So uh, I, I, I don't think even like in a, in a tournament setting, this just sets up like a game that's going to be a very poor game script for the Raiders, especially for their running backs. Um, so obviously if you are going to stack the Steelers or, or, pair uh Najee with maybe like one of his wide receivers for mini stack you might want to bring it back with the pass catcher from the Raiders but um I'm not touching the Raiders backfield let's go ahead and and move on to wide receivers uh we're each going to give two guys uh who do you like at wide receiver this week well we can't say enough about how good at least in a one game sample the Los Angeles Rams offense looked And, you know, they have done studies that show that defensive PFF grades are highly correlated to the offense they played. So take this with a grain of salt. Currently, Mm -hmm. Chicago Bears are the worst defense in the NFL, according to PFF grades. Regardless, Matthew Stafford-led Rams look like one of the most ferocious offenses in the league after one week. And Cooper Cup was a massive beneficiary the, the narrative I'm taking away from this first game is that we could see a whole extra part of Cooper, came, Cooper Cup's game unlocked mm-hmm. this season with deep passing. You know, he only saw one target of over 20 yards. It was pretty memorable because it was a 50-yard-plus <laughs> yeah. score. But remember, Cooper Cup averaged less than one pass 
of 20 plus yards with Jared Goff at the helm last season. We saw a player with a 39% target share and a 31% air yard share. This is true alpha receiver status for Cooper Cup. And now you're talking about a player who currently sits at 6,200 on FanDuel, 6K on DraftKings. So I'm projecting a higher average depth of target going forward, a higher yards per reception for Cup going forward, and just as much opportunity. This is an efficiency bump projection while still knowing that cup is going to be a solid possession receiver in the short and intermediate game i think he's a smash play even though the colts have a solid defense they're super banged up they were without four starters during practice on thursday i haven't checked today's status Mm -hmm. here on friday but it is important players to this defense xavier rhodes they're starting and then they're starting safety on top of that as well as their first round pick quidi pay and their all pro linebacker darius leonard even if they play they are far from 100 percent. yeah we we did um the the dfs playbook uh series this summer and basically for looking at, at when samples start becoming relevant for almost every position, it's at least four games, but we also have to start working with the information that we have after one week. Right. And what we're trying to do is balance this new information with what we think we know, or, or we're pretty confident um, of going into the season. And one of those things that I think we're going to be very confident in is that the Rams are going to have a very concentrated target share between Cooper cup and Robert Woods. Now, if they combine for 54, 55% of the target, is that sustainable? Yes. Is Cooper Cup's 39% target share sustainable? No, but he can certainly be the guy that's seen 27% to Robert Woods, 23 or 24%. Um, and that does make a big difference over the course of the season. If he is the 1A and he's adding those deep targets to his game, we've already seen him be a, a super efficient red zone threat. Last year, they didn't use him that much there. They, they didn't have that many red zone opportunities opportunities but they just didn't use him there that much like they did uh in the two years before that um he it really can be a great all-around wide receiver and he can move around uh the formation so cooper cup i think these this salary is obviously extremely low um but he's one of those players where i think if the salary doesn't overcorrect immediately that keeps showing up on our value reports and, and by the end of the season we're like holy crap uh, Cooper Cup is like a seventy-seven hundred dollar receiver now, but we just but we just got eight weeks of him at at sub seven k. Uh, so I, I like that call, and I think it's one that's that's going to keep showing up here. Um, I'm going to go back to the game you brought up, Justin Herbert, uh, uh, Chargers and Cowboys, and I'm going to go to the other side of it with CD Lamb. We we noted that we're going to be harping on this game a lot, and for good reason. Um, I, I believe the total that you quoted was was 56. Is that what you have on, on yours right now? Or is it 55? Uh, but I, I see 54 and a half, okay, but there, yeah, okay. there's some differential between books. Yeah, so I, I've seen it right now on DK right before we hopped on DK Sportsbook. I saw it at 55. The spread is three and a half there. Um, so it varies a little bit, but the point is I went back and look at, at historical point spreads. Um, over the last five years, we've only had 14 games where there's been a over-under of at least 55 and a spread below four. Basically, what that means is like we rarely ever get this kind of shootout potential. We're expecting high scoring. And we say upside all the time. This is not hyperbole in this game. This is like rare scoring upside. This is an offense that um, both offenses paced super high on both sides. If you look at Sam Hoppins um, uh, analytics and inside article that just came out uh, on four for four, we saw the chargers and Cowboys pace of play was up. Total plays was up. Um, 
I'm looking at CD Lamb specifically or 6,800 FanDuel, 6,400 on DraftKings just because he is cheaper than uh, Amari on both sides. I, I like both the receivers, but we have uh, CD $400 cheaper on DK. On FanDuel, it's a $1,000 difference. So I think on FanDuel, it's it's a, a bit more of a slam dunk. But with Gallup out, even before Gallup was out, they were commanding uh, a lot of the targets. But they ended the game, CD and Amari Cooper, ended the game with a combined 54% target share. The Cowboys threw 82% of the time in neutral game script. Obviously, I was against Tampa Bay. The best run defense in the league, probably. Um, they're it not going the right to throw. They, it was the right thing to do, um, and it's probably going to be the right thing to do this week because they're going to need to keep pace on on both sides. Um, will they stay above eighty percent? Probably not. What's the the likely scenario for the season is maybe somewhere around sixty. But I think they can be one of the most pass heavy teams in the league, even with Gallup out. They just have a lot of good weapons, and and Dak looked really good. Um, so I, I like that we saw C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper moving all over the uh, formation. They're both going to get a lot of spots and, and very beneficial matchups here. Uh, but CDs, if you're just looking from a value perspective, CD offers a little bit more value over Amari. Although I do like Amari's matchup because I do think that the Dak's probably going to have uh, a few more quick throws um, in this one, which favors Amari. But the the value, the, the dollar value points to CD right now. Yeah, and you talk about just a talent that you know, we just got through a diatribe about how Cooper Cup could be a much higher salary player by season's end. C.D. Lamb is in absolutely that same category there. Now, we're going to stay with this game, and it's a little bit of a cop-out. Again, very high Vegas total offenses with high volume and concentrated offenses. And, you know, there is nothing wrong with the Tampa Bay side of the Tampa Bay-Atlanta game and the both sides of the Arizona-Minnesota game, and we haven't really talked about that at all. That doesn't mean they aren't fantastic plays, but you guys know who those main premium assets are. That said, we could have two 20-target receivers in this Chargers-Cowboys mm -hmm. game. We That's why we're spending so much time here. And Keenan Allen, even though Mike Williams looked like he's going to be much more involved this year, I think a dozen targets for Williams in that first game, Keenan Allen is a smash play this week. I got through so many of the stats about how poor against opposing quarterbacks. It's the same thing for the Dallas Cowboys against the wide receivers. Allen, I think he could lead the slate in targets overall. And unsurprisingly, Dallas was second worst in the NFL in adjusted fantasy points allowed. It's a salary reduction from Hopkins and Godwin, who's at the top of the, the pack this week. And I think that Allen is as as likely to be the top scorer on the slate as them while having a huge salary reduction compared to them. Um, since, since you brought up Allen and, and Justin Herbert, um, FanDuel or DraftKings, either way, but what what's your take on this game specifically and just in general with stacking a quarterback and a wide receiver in, in cash games? I think it's fine, especially if we see consistent concentration of targets yeah. and air yards, especially when it's just one person. It's yep. even easier to do to ha have a stack when it's Devonte Adams and Aaron Rodgers, when it's Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen, because it's actually so rare that we see both of them just completely fail 
in a situation where we've decided to play them in cash games because usually it means there's a really poor defense on the other side. Again, there are just so many outs for both of these players. If it is a surprise scenario where the Chargers are playing from behind, it's probably because the Cowboys scored a whole bunch of points, which just leads to more passing, more volume. So to answer your question, in this scenario, with all the research we've done, if it's a great matchup for both the quarterback and the wide receiver, absolutely no problem with it. Yeah, I think um, kind of just my general take on those things is I want the best value plays possible, and if it's two players on the same team, it's probably because they're on really good offenses or in really good situations. So, I mean, there there's one argument where if you're playing – multiple players you're actually raising your floor because you're securing as many points as possible from the best offense of the week um one kind of like coin flip situation that i've discussed on this podcast on four for four in general is um if you are like if you have them like him and say I don't know, another receiver, whether it be Amari or someone from another team graded equally Keenan Allen, you're already playing Justin Herbert. If I'm only playing 50 fifties and, and I'm really worried about my floor and really worried about stacking, then maybe I'll, I'll go away from the stack. If I'm playing a, a high volume head to head where you actually have um, some incentive to have upside built in your lineup, I'm not going to force stacks, but I won't shy away from stacks because that correlation could get you to that 99th percentile week where you win almost all of your head to heads or even all of your head to heads um, compared to just uh, having a, a profitable week. So that's, that's kind of one thing to think about as well, but I'm pretty much in agreement with you. Like if, if it's the best value, just give me the best values. Um, I have one more receiver here and then you actually have something to say about this team just in general. Uh, one guy that stands out to me, especially on DraftKings, is Tyler Boyd. He's 5,700 on FanDuel, $4,700 on DraftKings. I, I don't think he's, a cash game play on FanDuel just because it's not PPR and just because of where he's priced relative to his teammates on DraftKings where he's 4,700. We have T Higgins all the way up at 5,400 Jamar chase at 5,000. Again, going back to FanDuel where Boyd is 57. They're kind of all bunched together. Higgins 6,000 uh, chase 5,500. So Boyd's right in the middle there, but going back to what we talked about with, um, with Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, like what did we know going into the season about teams and, and where are we overreacting to a one-game sample? Is Jamar Chase going to be the alpha on this team? Probably. But we are also going into the season knowing that T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and Jamar Chase all have very unique skill sets, all very different skill sets, but they're all very good players. And we think this is probably at season's end going to be a uh, a pretty tight target share and on a weekly level, probably pretty volatile based on matchups. Who's getting open. What your Joe Burrow likes that week, this week sets up for Tyler Boyd to really succeed because this is a Chicago team that was really vulnerable versus the slot last week. Again, like you said, it's a one game sample and we want to be careful, but Tyler Boyd is their primary slot receiver. Chicago, 138 of their passing yards that they allowed came from players lined up in the slot. And that's not just looking at wide receiver cornerback matchups. That's looking at the team level versus players lined up in the slot. 11 catches for 138 yards. That's nothing um, to ignore. And then if you want to go to the individual matchup level, as Mike Wallert pointed out in his wide receiver uh, cornerback column, Marky Christian was targeted on 25% of Stafford's throws. So a quarter of the time Stafford is out there like, where's Christian at? Let's attack him. And he gave up two scores in coverage. So um, that I, I think that 25% target rate is so glaring that it might be something worth paying attention to um, 
But on, on DraftKings, Tyler Boyd's just so much cheaper than his teammates. And then on both sites, if you are playing this Cincinnati team, we have uh, Joe Mixon's going to be a popular player. I, I think Jamar Chase is probably going to be pretty popular this week. There are going to be some uh, tournament implications just for having Tyler Boyd on either side because he's probably going to be the least popular player out of their – I guess they have a big four now. They're three receivers and Joe Mixon, um, and he's going to be the least popular one there. But uh, what, what do you think about this team and Jamar Chase specifically? TJ, that was a very logical – reasonable argument i am uh, overreacting i'm decide i've decided that if we see yeah. jamar chase command this kind of target share and air yard share after being the fifth overall pick in the nfl draft that they that is possibly enough signal to us that this is their alpha this is their number one and all along they saw t higgins and tyler boyd as high quality auxiliary weapons and the offense in general was missing a number one alpha receiver yes yes i'm speculating yes yes it's a small sample but i think jamar chase has all the physical abilities to be one of these receivers that we see week in and week out command a 25 percent air yard share and 25 percent target share let's see let's see against the chicago defense who has no one in their secondary who ranks inside the pff top 50 they had some cap casualties during free agency yeah. they basically just ran out of cap room and now they're really really struggling in the secondary great points about the slot what if jamar chase is just a beast no i i completely agree and i mean he is he's mispriced on on both sides like five thousand dollars is way too cheap on DraftKings. on fandle i, I think he's clearly the play especially in cash games um because we're, we're not as concerned about the um the volume as we are the upside i will say on on DraftKings specifically i know it's only 300 dollars, but in these tight salary weeks like saving a couple hundred dollars can be the difference in like a build you're trying to get to so for example it's very difficult to get up to the to the Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook tier in cash games on DraftKings this week. Um, and sometimes if you are trying to get one of those guys, saving $300 is very important. So like punting defense tight end and then saving $300 between Chase and Boyd can be the difference um, of whether you get up to a Kamara or not. So I, I do think it is important to note that uh, he is an option there. But I mean, Chase is, um, he really is priced pretty pretty horribly um on both sides uh let's move on to tight end i'll start it off with um i actually before i, I get to this I, I should say that on DraftKings, it's almost impossible to get to um to get to like waller or kittle in cash games it just there's they're so expensive with so little obvious value on the slate. Like there, there's not a three K uh, wide receiver that we're going to. There's not like a sub six thousand dollar running back that we're going to and, and going to Waller to just to force in his targets. I, I don't think is the move on on Fanduel. I think you'll talk about um, getting him in there, but because of that, I, I've looked kind of to Noah Fant a lot in my early builds. Um, Fifty seven hundred on Fanduel, all the way down at forty. 200 on DraftKings. Denver is a six-point favorite at Jacksonville. Positive game script is something that is kind of underrated for Titans. Actually, really thrive in positive game scripts. It's something that I wrote about in the DFS playbook this year. Uh, we saw a 
23% target share for Fant last week, and that was with Jerry Judy getting 20% of the targets. Obviously, Judy's out now. All those targets obviously aren't just going to go to Noah Fant. That's not how it works. They're, they have good players, and they actually have a, a really nice receiving core, even without Judy. I like Tim Patrick and, and KJ Hamler. Obviously, we're going like, to like obviously we're going to like Cortland Sutton. Um, throwing it back to to read or to to full season uh, fantasy. I have a lot of those guys in best ball, but that's a different conversation. <laughs> um, but but Noah Fant is in a spot where he could be um, the primary target for. Um, for Teddy Bridgewater in this game, um, besides maybe Corlin Sutton, uh, there just aren't many tight ends that are going to command a target share near 25%. We only had five guys hit that 23% target share last week. Fant could be over 25% now with Judy out. Uh, we saw this Jacksonville team last week. They, they got uh, kind of torched through the air a little bit by Terod Taylor, but uh, kind of unnoted is undrafted tight end Farrell Brown posted four for 67 last week. Now that's not like world beating status, but if an undrafted tight end is putting up, you know, 10 PPR points, that's nothing to sneeze at at a pretty weak position. So um, Fant does have a pretty decent floor uh, against this, this um, defense. And you noted in, in your article, and I looked at both sides, he has a top three floor projection on both FanDuel and DraftKings. Only Waller and Kittle have higher floor projections than Noah Fant this week. Yeah, really solid. And if you want to plug your nose and play option in tournaments, I think you could get away with playing James O'Shaughnessy on DraftKings. That really, is really my cheap. punt play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's not, it's not, it doesn't fall under, under the category of value play, which is what this pod is all about. So sure. the other 23% target share monster, I say in quotation marks, for the tight end position is Tyler Higby. Uh, yes, uh, Darren Waller, 20 20, well above 23%. Adam Troutman also on that list. And the aforementioned Noah Fant. But Tyler Higby in that high-quality Los Angeles offense. Oh, what happened to our faces there? Uh, in oh, that high-quality offense here, we have uh, a player who could absolutely get more than the six targets they saw in week one. Uh, and he's really the lowest salary player before you start playing what I call the opportunity guessing game. Yes, it was really exciting to see Jared Cook be heavily featured in the Los Angeles mm -hmm. Chargers offense. But talk about a situation where I'm not overweighting a one-week sample size. I'm going to wait to see it with Jared Cook. So you're talking about a very small pool of tight ends yeah. who have any sort of floor this week. I think Tyler Higby is essentially the end there. 5,600 on FanDuel, 4,100 on DraftKings. Again, attach yourself to this Rams offense before everyone in the entire field is sure that they're a great offense. Yeah. I mean, this is what we were talking about going into the season, right? Whether it was with best ball or, or just thinking about um, how DFS is going to play out. And the, the tight end pool is so small. Now we have Kelsey and Hawkinson um, and, um, who else? There's somebody else on. Um, that's not on the main slate, but we have like three tight ends that are Andrews, tops. Yeah. Andrews, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have three tight ends that are top six guys that are on the main slate, and all of a sudden we have Waller, Kittle, and then who else? Like it's Fanton Higby. Like nobody else. Like I guess you could say Pitts has a floor, but we saw already what the concern was last week. He 
his floor is like low in this offense. So he has an yeah, opportunity they're, they're, floor, not a production floor. Exactly. And so there just isn't a lot of, of uh, value at tight end already two weeks into the season. So yeah, I don't know really where else we look outside of these two guys. And you made the argument against cook that I, I like him in tournaments, but I don't trust him in cash games. So I, I like that a lot. Um, let's move on to defenses. You already talked about this team's running back. Uh, what about their defense? Yeah, correlated with that running back, the Steelers' defense. Yeah, they're more appropriately priced on FanDuel, but I still think they're underpriced uh, compared to their probability of forcing a ton of turnovers. The most probable outcome in this Las Vegas-Pittsburgh game is the Pittsburgh defense being the most dominant unit of all four phases of the game, if you will. Yes, uh, the Pittsburgh offense did enough to win the game against Buffalo, but it certainly didn't look impressive. So I'm fine chasing the running back opportunity, especially when it's just one player getting 100% of it. That's why we're fine with Harris. But really, the most safe option in this game is the Steelers' defense. And then to see them down in the towards the middle of the pack in salary, I'm all mm-hmm. over this matchup. Yes, Carr is passing, passing deep and passing a lot. But in my opinion, that just leads to a likelihood of turnovers. Now, he's been graded very well on his deep passing, but the Steelers' defense is a whole different beast altogether. They're third third in the NFL over their last five regular season games in series success rate allowed. And then you're seeing the possibility of of slightly limited ownership. I think that's due to the fact that their salary is slightly inflated compared to the bottom tier. And everyone wants to basically play the game where they say look at this lineup i can create when i get <laughs> hey, to that hey, last like tier me. defense <laughs> we do all the studies every year and we say yeah. hey the bottom tier defenses are incredibly variable and you can actually get negative points and then we all say yeah but i'm going with the 2k defense so can i just skip my defense then and we can just move on <laughs> uh, <laughs> um no i mean if looking looking at the steelers um I think let's if you just step back and think what's more likely that Buffalo's offense is all of a sudden just bad and they're going to suck this year or that Pittsburgh defense is for real and they were really good against them. I think the more likely scenario is that Pittsburgh just has a really good defense um, and on defense this week to your point. There's a lot of defenses that are priced appropriately, but it is a weird week where we have five teams on the main slate that are favored by six or more points, two teams favored by double digits. And we saw this two seasons ago for whatever reason, we just had a lot of matchups where there were a lot of big favorites and in tournaments and cash games, you saw expensive chalk defenses were the ones to hit. And so in weeks like this, where you have so many big favorites, it it doesn't make sense to go down um, in, in um, salary just, just for the sake of it. But, I'm going to go against all of that and give a very cheap defense. If you do want to save some salary, um, the Vikings are, they, they go against everything we preach. They're four point underdogs on the road, but they are our highest graded value defense on DraftKings. Um, they did generate the highest pressure rate, uh, adjusted sack rate in week one. Now you can, again, you can argue that that was because Cincinnati's offensive line is really bad, but you know, the, you want good teams to take advantage of bad situations and they should have had the highest adjusted sack rate, the highest pressure rate. And they did, um, on the other side, Arizona allowed the 11th highest pressure rate last week. So as bad as Tennessee was, and 
as ugly as that game looked in favor of Arizona, Tennessee was still getting pressure on Kyler. Now, Kyler obviously has the ability to get away from that, um, but when you can get pressure, uh, bad things can happen, and, and this is, can be a game where you know Arizona throws a lot. Both of these offenses have um, the pieces to be very efficient. So if, if he's dropping back, Kyler Murray's dropping back more than we expect. Vikings could pull out um, a, a decent day at, at near minimum salary on DraftKings. But again, I'm, I'm not like, I don't think this is the week to force this bottom tier build, but I thought it was worth mentioning them just because they did pop so much in our lineup generator on DraftKings. Um, one last note about uh, defense before we move on to theory. Yeah, the Bucks defense on FanDuel especially, the sixth defense overall is still too low for them. That Atlanta offensive line is going to be totally overmatched. They were seventh worst last season in sacks allowed per dropback. And Tampa Bay is seventh best in yards per pass attempt, fourth best in points per play allowed. This is a high-quality defense regardless of Dak Prescott and company being able to score a lot of points. It is a high game total. I think this could be turnover city for Atlanta. Yeah, they are um, a really good value on FanDuel. And if you're a new FanDuel fantasy player, your day is about to get 20% better. Start playing fantasy football this season. And FanDuel will give you a 20% bonus on your first deposit up to $500 by going to FanDuel.com slash DFS MVP. That's a big time bonus. All you need to do to claim it is make your first deposit. We've talked about how they have some of the best contest structures, especially when it comes to their higher stakes single entry GPPs. You could check out my Twitter or our Discord for a breakdown of those contest structures. Uh, if you aren't interested in those, they have a ton of different types of game formats. They have main slate, single game, best ball, snake drafts. You can even play private contests with your friends. And there is an awesome slate of games this week that we've already been discussing. The Sunday Million, which we cover in the DFS playbook, um, is available again this week. We've already talked up players that we like, like Keenan Hallen and Najee Harris on this week's slate. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash DFS MVP to claim your bonus and start playing today. That's FanDuel.com slash DFS MVP. Age and location restrictions apply. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires after 30 days. Matt, let's get back to the DFS talk. We're going to move on to theory. And one of the most important things that we talk about every week is reviewing your process. But a lot of people don't know exactly what that means. So today I want to talk about how you go through each week. Once the week's over, you see your results. Before you move on to that next week, what we do to review and reviewing isn't just looking at your lineup and saying, did I win or did I lose? There's a lot of things that go into it. So let's just start. Um, what is your first point that you make in reviewing DFS? And this isn't necessarily like looking at lineups. This is just like being a healthy human. What are you, what are you, what yeah, are you talking about? Yeah, I think that's about? a great... <laughs> I think that's a great way of putting it, TJ. Yeah. I mean, I, I take this part really seriously, to mm -hmm. be honest, because, again, the point, uh, the main objective of DFS is to make slightly better decisions than our opponents with essentially the same exact information yeah. as our opponents. That requires us to be healthy people. And if you can think of, if you could use some sort of gym analogy for a moment, if you think of each DFS slate as you doing your best to lift the heaviest weights you can, you need time to yeah. recover. And that doesn't necessarily mean staring at screens, learning the numbers more, learning the teams more. 
I really, really value the process of both reflecting on the decision-making process, my mental state during yeah. the week as I was making those decision make that that decision, and then taking legitimate time to reset. I have in the notes here, just breathe, get out of the mm -hmm. numbers. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think enough people take that seriously. No, definitely. I mean, there, there's, it's, this is obviously um, going to go against like what DFS is, is like built around it, the camaraderie and the excitement of it. But like, after you're done late swapping, I'll, I'll, I'll really try my best. And it's obviously very hard, but just like not scoreboard watching. If I'm playing the, the main slate and I do my late swaps and, and the 4 PM games are about to start, I really do my best to not be looking at the scoreboard until late in the fourth quarter. You have a pre, if you're watching red zone or you're at a sports bar with all the games or just have a setup where you're watching, um, you know, have, can watch the players that you have the most exposure to you already have a pretty good idea of how you're doing right and looking at games if there's four games going and and, and it's in the first quarter of the the 4 p.m games looking at the scoreboard isn't going to do you any favors all it's going to do is keep you more stressed out like halfway through the fourth quarter or when the fourth quarter starts sure let's start looking let's start cheering um but just sitting there on your phone staring at it the whole time um it's 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 not healthy and and i've had seasons where and this is a whole different podcast we're like dealing with losing streaks and, and whatnot but staying healthy and staying in the healthy mindset like you and i are, are are doing this for our job and and we go into it every week we're playing every week we want to give the best information every week if you're doing this casually there's nothing wrong with taking a week off of dfs there's no rule that says you have to play every slate or even every week and i know a lot of people will say hey there's only 18 18 weeks plus postseason i'm playing as much as i can if you're just dumping money and and, and pulling your hair out take a week off take a breather go for a run during the the am games um it, it really helps and, and taking time just before you move on to the next slate is is really important um kind of on that note like what are your thoughts on the mental side of, of dfs yeah i think we touched on a lot of the points there but there is a learning aspect too i think you are going to talk about some outside of football mm -hmm. knowledge about people how they make decisions and just how fickle numbers can sometimes be because again yeah. this whole game is numbers on a screen the research process all week and then the phones showing the scoreboards all weekend this can often lead us to having false assumptions making biased decisions and there is really amazing work out there that can help us sort of unwind ourselves and get back to the best decision making process possible for us and really that's what this is all about as i mentioned before we're just trying to make better decisions however we can do that we we got to get those edges where we can yeah and, and like you said going outside of, of the football realm um one, one of the most parallel games to what we do is poker because we're dealing with incomplete information and, and we're pushing very thin edges playing against um our opponents not playing against a house and to um mental mental coaches, mental game, uh, authors, Jared Tindler and Tommy Angelo in the poker world. They're two guys that I've read a ton and I, I have a poker background. So that's how I know these guys. And I was reading them during my poker days, but you can go through these books and go just through some of the mental tricks and, and, um, 
things to just get you back to uh, just to be centered really helps uh, with your DFS game. And it's a stressful game. I mean, a lot of us are playing for a lot of money. Hopefully you're playing for, for money that's within a reasonable bankroll. But, you know, if you're playing for, for hundreds or thousands of dollars a week, whether you can afford it or not, um, when, when you have a bad week, it doesn't feel good. Uh, and, and that is a stressful situation. So learning to deal with those stressful situations and, and getting through that, uh, is really important. And then getting back to the numbers, but not necessarily football numbers. There are a ton of non DFS or non fantasy football game theory numbers, books that, uh, really relate to DFS and Jonathan Bales, uh, who, who used to work for four for four a long time ago, he kind of made some of these popular, most notably the, uh, Nassim Taleb books. Um, he talked a lot about anti-fragility him and Sean Siegel brought that, um, concept into the, the fantasy football vernacular than Nassim Taleb, but another one fooled by randomness just really helps you. Like you talked about, like we're dealing with these small edges and it can be really tough to, to understand what randomness really means so reading a book like fooled by randomness um is a really good one another one called the assess success equation by michael mabusen is one that has a lot of um just number theory concepts that can help us understand these things like true expectation um and really just anything on on games i talked about poker a lot but if you're uh, if you're a chess player a backgammon player any type of game shoot tic-tac-toe, um, uh, Rochambeau, like these are all theory games that kind of get your brain going and, and just thinking about different types of, of game theory processes. And if you immerse yourself in these, they will kind of subconsciously um, seep in, into your DFS game. So I'd encourage people to just look for outside reading that might have some kind of um, like loose relation to DFS, but can still really relate to your game. Um, again, I talked about Jonathan Bales and a lot of his um, books or, or articles. He has links to these huge reading and book lists that are a lot of these concepts we're talking about. So I'd encourage you to just give, give Jonathan Bale's uh, book list or reading list a, a Goog and you'll find, uh, you'll find some good stuff. Um, moving into like the nuts and bolts of our reviews. I think the stuff that people are, are really looking for when you start your weekly review process, um, what are you using? What does that look like? What's step one for you when you go, let's look at, at it's Monday morning. Let's look at, at Sunday's games. Uh, we didn't talk about this beforehand, but before we move on, I actually read Fool by Randomness every year before the fantasy season. It's very, very smart. Just, I should probably read it right now. Yeah. The audiobook too. Uh, get You can get that at 2x, audiobooks. get it done even faster. Yeah. Uh, but yes, okay, zooming in a little bit further. <clears throat> now we talked about the zoom out part of the week, the non-football related part of the week. But now we got to talk about getting into the lab seeing what the winners did, seeing what the people who are consistent winners did, and then seeing what we did. This is the same situation that an athlete would go through when they're working on their craft. You know, a baseball analogy is this is your time in the batting cage. This is your time yeah. looking at the great players who are, you know, on fire in, in your sport. And, you know, it is easier when you have access to lineup studying software, but there are also free articles out there on tons of sites that are breaking down optimal lineups, that are breaking down winners lineups, that are breaking down DFS professionals lineups. And that is incredibly valuable study. I actually think that is the most valuable part of your in-season work because your ability as a DFS player isn't going to drastically improve in one week's time. Mm -hmm. But 
your ability to take in the information you didn't understand and improve your decision-making process can be changed in one week. And this is where that goes down. There are some sites out there that make this really easy, but again, there are free articles all over the place that can help you streamline this process. Yeah. It's, it's really like the, basically the biggest cheat code, right? Because, um, going back to, to the poker analogy, if you're playing poker, against the best players in the world, you might get a couple hints of what they're doing, but they're probably going to run you over and take a lot of your money in that process. And you're, you're never going to get the full information. Um, you can play a $1 50, 50 and see what the best players in the world are doing with their cash lineups. And once you get to know those screen names, you should just, all you have to do is go into your lineups and this especially if you're playing like these huge single entry 50-50s where there's like 10,000 20,000 entries you're going to get a lot of information on what's working really quick and you can see if what you're doing is right or wrong um for cash games i mean i'm basically just looking at like look at things was i making a balance build when good players were doing stars and scrubs or vice versa how was i allocating my salary by, by position we're gonna miss on player projections all the time so you know if you played kirsten mccaffrey and joe mixon was the player or dalvin cook was the play that happens these are like huge touch share guys we just whiffed on that but the the lineup builds is what i'm paying attention to um and then like in gpps which stacks were used how were they using those stacks were they being contrarian with their stacks contrarian with their um with the players used around their stacks how much correlation is it a a week where we landed on the chalk or not um and like you said all of this stuff is done for us i do a, an article every week where i go over the winning gpp lineups and and go over like the lessons that we can pull out tons of other sites are doing that and the best part about it is that almost every site whether they're premium site or not the reviews are usually free and what um one thing that i struggle with a lot and and i actually want to know how you feel about this but the the balance of taking in too much information but also not just uh having tunnel vision for what your takes are right and i think in the build up to making lineups i i do think it is important to really narrow down who you're listening to or even if you're going outside of your own research but in the review process pretty much everybody is is really peeling back the layers they're they're putting out this free review we're already it's 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 a postmortem we see what they did already they're not um under the pressure of getting something right like they might be leading up to the week so i think a lot of these free reviews are some of the most valuable because everybody's guard is down the week is over they're telling you what they really think and where they really messed up um and and this is where i'm willing to go outside of 44 and go outside of my own research um just a couple guys that do really great free reviews um adam levitan does reviews every week joe holka does a lot of high um value uh reviews on his youtube and on his twitter dan bach has a podcast for rotor grinders where he's just looking at he's either interviewing winners or just looking at industry trends, not even necessarily looking at players. Um, Sam Hoppin does a review every week on four for four that just looks at player trends. So um, looking at those things, but how, how do you wait like that taking in information from others versus sticking to your own guns? Yeah. I mean, I had a period of time where I first fell in love with the sport of fantasy football and just tried to take in as much information as I could. And I cannot deny that it made me a worse player yeah. for a period of time. 
analysis paralysis is absolutely a real thing. And what really truly overcomes that is a weekly process and a thought process that trumps all of the outside noise coming in. Because you need to have a filtration system. Essentially, you're going to hear conflicting information, even if you just listen to a few sources. And honestly, that's probably a good thing because it's going to show you that the differing, the variance in opinions around the field in general. But for me personally, and I actually think this was taken from one of the books by Jonathan Bales, what I do once I've finished that reflection process and I'm first looking at the new slate, I have no preconceived notions mm -hmm. except for my gut feelings and my biases about football. I start to write it just in a notebook or in the notes app what I think is going to be the chalk what I think is going to be a smash play. And then at the end of my weekly process, maybe Sunday morning, I like to get up real early as I start tweaking my lineups. I'll go back to that list. And some for some people, it's really hard to not anchor yourself to that initial list. Mm -hmm. So I respect you if you don't want to actually write it down, you just want to think your way through it. But I think you should have a time where you are pre-numbers, if you will, where you're just internally understanding the slate the way that your brain can take it in then let these excellent sources inundate you with information yeah. as you make your way to sunday yeah and and that might sound like it's not part of the review process because like that's kind of getting into the the starting your new week process but i think where that can be a very important part of the review process is like you said um you you have that um not the anchor but you have that initial analysis and then then after the games are over or after lineups are set now we can go back and see now I have the real ownership numbers. Now I have who's the chalk. Was I right? And when you start doing that reviewing, whether you were right or wrong, that's just going to make you a stronger player. And that's how you start getting to, to your own decisions. Like the, no, no matter how much you and I say on this podcast or in our, our articles, um, the, the best DFS players are going to listen to that and then kind of put their own spin on it. Right. This is an art that's, it's, taking in what makes the most sense to you and then adding your own um, little flavor to it. Uh, moving on to, to just like when you are actually tracking your lineups, um, how are you looking at that? Are you like drilling down all the way to like a player level when you're doing something, when you are seeing if you won or lost? I'm personally not, but I actually think that if you are a small lineup player, mm -hmm. I think that's probably a good idea to do because you're you know, player evaluation and projection, as TJ said, is going to be incorrect. But you can write in a notes app, again, the story that you were telling yourself. And even if a game script doesn't play out that way, you can come back to that note and, and say, was this a misunderstanding of the team's strengths and weaknesses? Or was this a misunderstanding of how I expected the field to interpret this slate and in that case, we can truly improve. So for me, I use software. I basically am putting my lineups each week and my history from these sites into mm -hmm. software and just tracking how I'm doing. And I think a lot of people are doing it that way. But I highly suggest if you just have a couple lineups, make your own spreadsheet, figure out how each lineup was doing, and then take some notes about the story you told with that specific lineup. Yeah, um, RotoTracker is probably the most popular software that people use if you're just looking for like a um, a win-loss result, looking at your chart and your graphs. Um, I like to use a a um, my own spreadsheet just because the the way I play my cash games and put lineups in in um, in games where I, I build 
some upside into my cash games isn't tracked exactly like Roto Tracker would do it, but Roto Tracker is a really easy way to do it. Um, beyond like reviewing your lineups, I think it's really important to be reviewing your contest selection. Look at the games you're enter- entered. If you've listened to our advice before, you should have a, a somewhat of a solid bankroll plan. Make sure that your process lined up with that bankroll plan. Did you stay within your bankroll limitations? Did you take the time to find overlay? Were you finding contests that not only fit your bankroll, but fit your goals? Were you actually entering contests that were the size you wanted to be playing? Did you get carried away and and enter the milli, or did you play some mass multi-entry contests even though you want to be a single entry player? Um, that's all really important part of reviewing as well. Um, it's really easy, no matter how good you think your plan is when you make your lineup and you're excited about playing that stack that you know is going to hit all of a sudden you you end up oh this is only a five dollar contest you do that 20 times all of a sudden whoa i'm way outside my bankroll range um it's really easy to do and and similar like looking back on not just your lineup but we had it just last week we had the the trey sermon uh news are you reacting uh, properly to to late breaking news and and going back and seeing like were the sharps wrong where were um where were people right or wrong and and was I right and other people are wrong look at that as well um it's not just like a a where was I wrong process it's a where was I right process um if if you want like a going back just like a, a very quick resource uh, every week I do an article called TJ's take, which is where I talked about that GPP review at the end of last year. If you go to four for four and go to the uh, 2020 articles at the end of last year, I did a big recap but that basically just like all of these weekly lessons, like what were the most important ones. And then I could, um, I could post that in our, in our user discord, if people remind me, but uh, I, I think it's a really cool resource that just kind of looked at all of these trends that I think will apply to this year. Uh, so all of those things going into the, the review process. Um, do you have any like last thoughts on how people should be thinking about DFS or like what they're reviewing um, outside of, of what we just talked about? Yeah, I do. It's, it's really a note for myself as it is as much for our viewers and listeners in general, don't be afraid of your mistakes. Just <laughs> learn from them better than your opponents learn from theirs. I will tell you heading into this season, the one podcast, the one show that I was dreading, was the Monday Review Podcast because it meant yeah. that we had to face the music mm-hmm. when we didn't have weekends that went our way. Yep. But truthfully, that is just putting my feet to the fire, making sure. sure that I take that time to reflect and review just like we talked about here. Don't be afraid of that. Just get better faster than everyone else. Hey, man, I'm, I'm just as nervous every week as you are. But I mean, having that accountability and I didn't even bring this up, but like something that I think is really important is having a, a DFS buddy, having a Slack channel, having a text thread where you just have someone that you're bouncing ideas off and then seeing where they were at too. Um, that one-on-one is is a lot more valuable sometimes than anything you and I can say because that, that, that person that really knows the in and outs of your games and you know theirs, um, that's where you can really get some growth going, uh, kind of just building on that like don't be afraid of your mistakes. I mean, one of the best ways to find holes in your game or to, to find strengths that you don't know you had is looking for new opportunities. And a lot of times that means trying new games. Um, 
taking 30 minutes and be like, I'm going to learn a little bit about showdown this week, or I'm going to make a couple lineups for small slates. I'm going to play a two day slate. Uh, I'm going to try tiers or pickums. All of these things, even if you decide that you're, you're not prize pick props. Yeah, exactly. All these things are, are going to be um, ways to just expand the way you think about whatever game you want to be the best at. You're going to, at the very least think differently than your opponents that get into this, um, get into these cocoons that get into these echo chambers and the it, it's like we talked about with looking at books that aren't the same as as dfs that have some loose relation if you're playing different styles of fantasy football um you're going to have different thoughts on it like one thing that i tell redraft players all the time play dfs because when you have exposure to every single player in in the league your start sit decisions are going to get really easy so it's the same in DFS. If you're playing all these other different types of games, um, you're, you're just going to be thinking different and thinking on a higher level. Um, Matt, that was really fun. Do you have any last thoughts for, for the viewers before we get out of here? I think this might have been some of the most important theory talk we've had this whole time. If you want to get better, go back and take a second listen here. I think there was a ton of great info. Yeah, um, get that notepad out. And of course, if you have requests for any of the things we talked about here, um, hit us up in that subscriber-only Discord. Uh, obviously, if you're watching us here on YouTube, you know that we're here, but we also have the DFS MVP comes out uh, right after this on all major streaming uh, podcast platforms. I'm sorry. Please rate and review on iTunes. That helps us out a ton. If you're here on YouTube before you go away, please like and subscribe 444 on YouTube. If you're looking for another way to get our DFS subscription and access to that discord channel, head over to 444.com slash prize picks to get a subscription for as little as $20. That's only for new prize picks users. Don't forget about our other shows cash review with Matt 11 a.m. Pacific time on Mondays. We just talked about that. That's streaming um, only on YouTube every week on Saturdays, the Yahoo DFS show with Matt Harmon. That is audio only DFS last look with Jordan Vanek Sunday mornings, 8 a.m. Pacific 11 a.m. Eastern time. That is our subscriber only discord. Make sure you're following us on Twitter. Four for four is at four for four football. Matt is at Draftaholic. I'm at TJ Hernandez. We will talk to you guys in week three.